I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Telegraph. Telegraph. Podcasts. Hi there, podcast fans. I'm Tom Gibbs. Welcome back to Telegraph Audio Football Club. The Premier League returns this week and between now and Thursday, we'll be previewing five sides a day alphabetically as nature intended. So on episode one, we have Arsenal who have signed Pepe and no defenders. Aston Villa who have signed everybody. 12 new arrivals and some worrying memories of Fulham last year. Bournemouth, meanwhile, have had a relatively quiet summer. Can they arrest their mild slide in 2019-20? Brighton and Hove Albion, they're hoping to play expansive, exciting football under Graham Potter. But should the focus be more on not getting relegated? And finally, Burnley have signed Jay Rodriguez and offloaded one of their 47 goalkeepers. Where can they hope to finish under Sean Dyche? Plus, Mina Rizuki previews La Liga, including the Gareth Bale saga, Barcelona and why Kieran Trippier could enjoy his new life in Madrid. Let's take you now for the first time this season back into the audio recording facility where I'm joined, as ever, by Matt Law. How are you, Matt? Feels like ages, not as ever. It has been a while, yeah. I missed loads at the end didn't of last season, didn't get involved in the women's pods we did. Uh, no, I'd have loved to. Yeah, we weren't called up, it's fine. Exactly, it yeah. wasn't through my choice, through your issue. choice. You've been rested. Yeah, exactly. Are you feeling rested? I'm feeling the pressure of having to come back and perform. Good, that's, that's what we want. A little bit of healthy competition for places alongside him. Also back, after a summer absence, Mina Rizuki. What's going on, Mina? Hi, I, I don't feel like it's been ages. I feel like I was here like three days ago. Oh, so you're not that pumped for the new season then? I'm a little bit tired. I just feel like it's all come so soon. Yes. Yeah, I think the Women's World Cup was, was part of that. I think it felt like, you know, That's... traditionally in these odd-numbered summers, it hasn't. it's felt like a bit more of a break from football. With the Women's World Cup feeling like a much bigger deal this time, it's uh, Absolutely. straight back into and it. And then AFCON and Copa America and all of these ones. I'm just... Of course. And uh, the ICC, oh. your favourite tournament. It's been a pleasure watching that. <laughs> Who's going to win it? <sighs> Who do you think? I have no interest in that competition. I'm not sure how it works, who's in it or where it's Norwich City, they'll win it. Good. Next to Mina. Welcome back, Ali Tweedale. How was your summer, Ali? It was really good, yeah. I'm in full cricket mode. Oh, no. Uh, but that kind of means I'm ready for some football. Excellent. Yeah. What's yeah. cricket? <laughs> That's the spirit, man. <laughs> so what we're going to bring you today, as has already been mentioned, is a club-by-club preview of the Premier League season. This is part one of four. We'll be doing five teams, Arsenal all the way to Burnley, in alphabetical order, of course. So we will start with Arsenal. And I suppose we should start with Unai Emery, who has uh, apparently got a break clause in his contract, uh, which could be activated at the end of this season. If they don't make the Champions League, Mina, mm. do you think he will stick around? It all depends, obviously, on... 
I don't know because I think it's a little bit unfair considering how the market's gone for him. I do get that when you purchase someone like Nicolas Pepe, you're expecting this this team to fly. But at the same time, I mean, they've still got Mustafi at the back. So I'm, I, I'm, I don't know how much of a say he's had in this transfer market. But I imagine that more than anything that they do need a little bit of consistency. If they start again, it's going to be a problem now. I, I do think that they've brought in Edu as a as a director and you've got Freddie Jumberg as well there now. And they're, and they're trying to create the support system around uh, Unai Emery. But um, whether or not they'll be happy with this performance, as long as money is being made, then I don't think anyone's really that interested in management when it comes to sporting performance. Yeah, let's talk about Nicolas Pepe, Ali. Obviously a pretty splashy arrival for Arsenal. What sort of a player is he? Is he, is he worth the money? It's a, it's a lot of money to spend on. God, he's worth it. Yeah, well, it's kind of like remains to be seen, doesn't it, whether he's actually worth that money. But um, if he, they've, they've needed a player who can beat a man and score goals for a while. They've got, they've got players that score goals and they've got players that beat men. But like Alex Awobi can dribble for hours on end, but just can't score goals. And if you've if you replace that with someone like Pepe, who can convert his League One uh, form into the Premier League, then uh, yeah, it'll definitely be worth it. Um, it's a frightening attack now. Those those three: Lacazette, Aubameyang, Pepe. Um, loads of pace, loads of goals. Um, so yeah, he could well be worth it. Definitely, yeah. Interestingly, you've referred to him as a League One player. I think I would have said League. Sorry, I'm not as cultured as you. <laughs> it's so Arsenal, though, isn't it? To Spend seventy-two million pounds on an attacker. Well, quite yeah. We have when this, your defence is the problem. Yeah, we had this from a listener. Ismail got in touch to say, "Are Arsenal correct by spending a lot on strikers but neglecting the defence?" You too can email, of course, AFC Podcast at Telegraph.co.uk. But it, it does seem very strange, Matt. It does. Uh, sort of JJ'd be good for this bit actually because my right, only that is harsh on Nina and Ali. <laughs> yeah, th- maybe they'll be great on this bit. My only thought. I've been thinking about this a lot. And trying not to just slag Arsenal off like a sort of one-two for their lack of buying defenders at the moment, albeit the transfer deadline uh, hasn't passed just yet. Um, all I can think is that certainly away from home and maybe against the better teams, Pepe allows them to play a bit more on the counter-attack and therefore this will be part of setting up slightly differently for certain matches in that they can play a bit more defence, a bit more secure and have a a ball over the top or something like that. That's he all is, I can think. His positioning is fantastic in the sense that it's absolutely true. If you want to play a counter-attacking system um, and then you allow him his positioning, he understands exactly how to do that, which means that you can play with a deeper defence so they don't need to play a high line. Uh, whether or not that will be done is another thing. But there's also Danny Ceballos and he's excellent as well when it comes to sort of uh, blocking opposition from counter-attacking, taking the ball, recycling possession and also helping to launch the team forward. So I think with those two players, you're looking at a specific counter-attacking system that can work in some situations that would be interesting on a tactical level. Even though Ceballos comes across as more of an elegant passer, he's really good when it comes to the defensive part of the game um, and in helping the team. And so is Nicolas Pepe. Uh, I think that he's been drilled and his pace and he's very intelligent. He is literally the player to watch in Nigal after Kylian Mbappé. He's been in sensational form. Obviously, I'm always the type of person who'd rather spend all my money on a Virgil van Dijk or a Matthias de Ligt or whatever it is. But since they don't seem to want to do that, they're obviously banking on the fact that they can just outscore the opponent and hope that their midfield, whether it be Guendouzi, Ceballos, as well as like Nicolas Pepe coming in and helping, will be enough. But it is a team effort because 
anyway, we'll go into what happened afterwards. But with, but I think it's important to have that unity. And I think these two players will be ones that attack, but also help the team to defend as a unit. I'd like to say one thing in kind of defence of Emery and Arsenal's summer. I totally agree that the defence needs work, but um, at the end, of, before Rob Holding got injured, he was actually really good, and he's young, and that's he's got a long time ahead of him. They're also they've also invested heavily in Callum Chambers by buying him and then mm-hmm. sending him out on loan to Fulham. Um, they've got Socrates, who's improved loads. Uh, everyone says, see him um, Leon. <laughs> the, "Yeah, but um, like the defense teams need time to to get better, to like work together and improve." Um, that's three centre backs that they've uh, ahead of Mustafi. I know uh, Mustafi's a problem. They've still got Mavropanis that people say is uh, potentially has got lots of potential. Koscielny's still up in the air. They've got loads of defenders. Monreal can play at centre back. Um, maybe Emery is. I, I think maybe Arsenal and Emery need a little bit of praise for possibly uh, the idea of improving the players they've got, and not if you spent thirty-five million on a Mustafi, then maybe don't go out and spend thirty-five million on another centre back when it could just end up the same way. Well, they are trying to learn out Rogani from Juventus. Um, that would be interesting to watch because he he's was not that good, is he? Um, I, I think he's rubbish, but everyone else in the team thinks he's good. Yeah, so I, I don't, don't know whether I, I just missed something. Him. Um, but I, I don't. I mean, I think that he's not physical enough as he is, so I don't know how that's going to pan out for for this. But it's true that there are other players that they can look at, and and obviously Saliba, even though he's been loaned back out to San Etienne and he's next year, they'll have somebody. You mentioned Koscielny, Ali. He refused to travel over the summer. Not a great look, is it? Your longest-serving player kicking off a little bit in order to force a move through um, suggests maybe things are a little bit broken behind the scenes there, Matt. Yeah, it is very odd. Um, if you were to pick a couple of players who might kick off at Arsenal, you wouldn't have Koscielny before now, probably in the top 10. Um, it's one of those that really catches you, your eye and, and by surprise that something seriously wrong in the background is going on. I mean, it, he wanted a free transfer by the looks of things. And I think, I can't go into too much detail about this because I may write a story about this quite soon. I think there is a little bit of unhappiness amongst a few players behind the scenes there about their approach to new contracts. Um, There are various players who either want a new contract or want to be allowed to talk to clubs who are offering to offer them a much better contract. And when Arsenal say kind of no to both, um, there are people getting a little bit unhappy and certainly that's what happened with Koscielny. Um, Yeah, it's a bad look. Uh, captain, uh, all-round good guy, um, a steady Eddie, although his performances of late haven't been very good. It feels like he will have to leave. I mean, he doesn't have to leave by the English transfer deadline because he he will most likely go abroad anyway. So they've got a little bit of time to sort that out. But I I would be very surprised if he played for them again. He might be a steady Eddie, but have Arsenal now got a steady Edu with them? Oh, look at that. Early doors. Boom. Practicing all summer. He's back in. Edu was a technical director. Lundberg is there as a coach as well. It feels like there's been quite a lot of those backroom changes at Arsenal in the past few years. Is this a bit of stability now, do we think, with this new team in place? I thought that, though, last time they sort of do this, they keep kind of shuffling around the deck chairs, hoping it all works out. Um, Look, Edu looks like someone sensible to bring in he knows the club he's got a connection with the club it's a bit like Chelsea and, and Petr Cech although Edu has done this job for much longer than Petr Cech elsewhere um, they got rid of Sven Mislan Tat uh, midway through last season they needed that someone in that position to provide a link between kind of 
team staff and board staff, so he would do that. Um, they say he hasn't really started work in this transfer window, so it's. I don't think we can judge him on this transfer window. Mm. He um he he gave his uh, backing to Gabriel Martinelli, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think so, but I feel like he comes with a lot of baggage, so I don't know how to really judge this because in Brazil, at the time he was, you know, he helped. He was he worked alongside Chiche before, not just for Brazil. And uh, they accomplished a lot of success. And then he went to, obviously, worked with the FA, the Brazilian FA, and then as the general manager. And he did really well in in terms of improving traveling conditions. But then it was seen that he was offering Neymar a few more favors than the rest of the team. Uh, There was a lot of backlash about that. Also, where he chose to station them for the World Cup at the time. And his press conferences just looked like he would say something silly and then backtrack the whole time. Um, and he came under huge fire for that. But Achiche believes in him. He's obviously done some good work before. So I just, I don't know what to think of what he'll be like in Arsenal, whether it'll be a hit or not. Much like I don't know what to think of this team. They could either be one of the most beautiful teams to watch or one that just capitulates defensively. They're, they're, they're a club that are still in a transition, aren't they? They're, they're, we're still only a year on from Wenger leaving and Wenger did everything there. So uh, it's still a time of like, spreading out the jobs um so yes i think it's they've got to progress though i mean to go back to your original question if they're eighth or ninth around christmas time emery should be under pressure i mean they're a massive club we shouldn't just always let them off the hook we've been letting them off the hook for quite a long time now and saying oh they this is progression this is they're going to rebuild they're going to do this they're going to do that at some point they need to actually look like they're progressing and starting to challenge others and if they start to fall further back You've got to put pressure on him because it's a huge club. They can't just be let off the hook. Okay, but who can they really go for if they don't have you and I am right now? Who are they going to... Patrick Vieira. If you're going to do the whole ex-Arsenal thing, Patrick Vieira's done a good job at Nice, highly rated manager. If I was to put money on who would be the next Arsenal manager if Emery were to go mid-season at the end of the season... And what, you think Patrick Vieira Vieira will come in and they'll finish above Tottenham? That's not the point, though. I guess the point is at the moment that it feels like everyone is pulling in the right direction at Arsenal before it was just rely on Because Shelney's not pulling in the right no. direction. <laughs> no. but yeah, has, has Kolasinac threatened him? Yeah, that's the... Uh, that, well, that's clearly the... Uh... I feel sorry for Mesut Ozil in that. Oh, no, he... Yeah, <laughs> man feels... doesn't battle knife-wielding... Also, also man, is, man is in car with his partner and potentially his kid, right? Exactly, and all of a sudden, yeah. this isn't why Mesut Ozil's brave or captain material. Have people been saying what was being said about him? I've seen that written oh, around oh, on God. Twitter and that's things, stupid. but I should ignore Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, it's, a horrendous it's thing to write. Very, very good idea for your mental health. Should we move on, Matt, to Aston Villa? Let's Premier League <laughs> Aston Villa, Matt. Premier League champions, twenty nineteen, twenty twenty. Uh, I mean, that's wrong, isn't it? But uh, let's talk about what they've done in the transfer market. They signed twelve players at yep. a cost of more than a hundred million pounds. Biggest I've, spenders in the Premier League this summer. Some one of the sort of top ten in Europe, right? In the top five or six, I think. Yeah, crikey. I've got bad alarm bells ringing here. I've got Fulham last season, QPR uh, when when we got promoted. Um, Villa uh, fans are going to be going mad with you saying that. Yeah, but it's it's not wise, is it? It's not wise to spend that much money so after getting promoted. I'm going to tell you why they had to, and then you can all shoot me down. Mm. So at the end of last season, they lost about 12 players, um, either through loans expiring, cancelled contracts, contracts expiring. They had to replace those players. There's no way in a million years they couldn't replace those 12 players. Why it's completely different from Fulham. Fulham did a lot of their business the last week. Mm. Um, Did it completely 
without the manager, pretty much, uh, Chikanovic at the time. Villa have signed three players who are already on loan with them, uh, one of whom was a massive part of their promotion, that's Tyrone Mings. Two more who have played for the manager before. Engels, the Belgium, the manager tried to sign for Brentford this time last year. Um, Heaton just looks like a no-brainer. Matt Target... Is he number one? Sorry? Would he be number one yeah, immediately? Yeah, 100%. Um, Matt Target, you might not think he's the greatest left-back in the world, but he's a sort of no-risk Premier League player. The, the, there are four what I would call real gambles. It's crazy Trezeguet, that we've gone through this many and we've still got four more players yeah. to discuss. Trezeguet, Marvellous Nakamba, great name. The striker Wesley and Douglas Louise, who's very highly rated by Pep Guardiola, I would have as the the four what you would call gambles. But I don't see, apart from the fact they've signed a lot of players and the 100 million figure, I don't see it like Fulham at all. I don't actually see it like that, that QPR spending spree. I mean, that was uniquely weird and terrible. Yeah, and it was done through a certain agent. It's complete. I'm not saying it's going to work, and there's no way 12 signings are all going to work in a million years. But it's not doing a Fulham or a QPR. No, I, I agree with that. I think that everything that you've said is, is true. They had to make all these signings. My only concern is the defence, just because it wasn't exactly great even last season. And they've got, you know, five players, new ones. Obviously, I'm, uh, there's, I'm interested to see how that's going to go for them. And... Wesley, I, I have no idea why that was a signing that was made. It's, I feel like that's a huge gamble. Wesley looks like a big gamble. And there's a lot riding on him because there's no... Is he there to be like a sacrificial lamb, sort of like a Fernando Llorente who just absorbs all the pressure and people play no, off him? I do him? think there's a lot of that because they play a sort of 4-3-3. Um, goals sort of from all areas of the pitch. I don't think they'll be thinking this guy needs to score 15, 20 goals. If he can score 10 goals, but I think a lot of it is taking the brunt of it and holding play up and things like that. How, yeah, because he's a modest scorer. How much do you think the the kind of um, heroes of last, the, the midfield last season, the, so was it Grealish, McGinn, Hurrahan? Yeah. Hurrahan? How do you, is it Hurrahan? Um, we've ha- all been saying it wrong, so right. I'm not quite <laughs> okay, sure. Well, I, won't, I won't attempt that then. Um, how much are they going to play? I think McGinn was going to be huge. Great. I think everyone's going to be talking about Grealish before the start of the season. Yeah. And I, as you know, I'm a big Jack Grealish fan. But I think we're going to be talking about John McGinn a fair bit on this pod. He is a really, really good player. What sort of player is he? He's a kind of James Milner, uh, up and down, lots of legs, um, very high intensity, very high pressure, can score a very spectacular goal. Um, very large behind that he's good at sort of getting in the That's in really useful in the field. Yeah, it is. John Terry's talked about John McGinn's behind quite a lot. Um, <laughs> I do think he's going to take a lot of people who don't watch Villa a lot and will be focusing on Grealish I think will be taken aback by John McGinn so Sam, Sam Dean wrote a piece on Eden yeah. Hazard's he's not the same player as Eden Hazard no, no way but are we going to see a but he uses yeah he in uses six months his backside a lot on John McGinn's behind yeah I yeah. think so you can start writing it Alex so what, where wait. do you think they're going to finish I think they will finish 14th 15th I think that it will be kind of battle against relegation but I, I don't see them going down and I don't think they'll be too much in a scrap What about Grealish? It's been a while since we've seen him in the Premier League he, he started brilliantly and then sort of faded away a little mm. bit um, but has come back incredibly really in the Championship is he coming back to the Premier League a much better player? Uh, yes he's a lot stronger than he was when he was last in the Premier League 
when he was playing under Tim Sherwood, they they were playing him out wide a lot. He was a little bit lightweight. He's bulked up now. He's in the centre. He likes to come and get the ball. He's very brave in possession. Um, his end product's got an awful lot better under Dean Smith in terms of assists and goals. So I do think we're seeing a different player. It's whether he's matured enough will be interesting um, because it has been in the past that when the spotlight's been on him, he's got carried away and the maturity's let him down. And he was brilliant with that. They gave him the captaincy last season. He's fantastic with that last season. He does seem to have been on a, a full summer party. He's got a new set of boots as well, which Sim- I've seen in the preseason. <laughs> he has. I don't think he's got a new set of shin pads, unfortunately. He could do with a new set of shin pads. But it will be down to his maturity. But I, I, I think, yeah, I think he'll be very good. I'm slightly disappointed he's not wearing that tatty old pair in the Premier League. It's <laughs> remarkable he had them on in there. Champions They're in the Villa final. Museum now, apparently. Oh, marvellous, marvellous. What's the long-term aim for Villa, Matt? I mean, it feels right that Villa are back in the top flight, but we shouldn't forget that for much of their stay in the Premier League previously, they weren't really doing a lot for a lot of the time. Harsh, that. Much of their recent oh, oh. stay in the Premier League. The O'Neill years, they were O'Neill, O'Neill years, sure, and obviously, you know, Brian the, the Daly and Atkinson yeah. Muller years, they were doing very exactly. well as well. But... Um, what's the realistic aim for the club? Well, the, I mean, room? the owners are seriously wealthy. I mean, I think they're the second wealthiest owners behind um, Man City's owners. Um, really? There's two of them, yeah. Wow. I mean, we, we are talking seriously, seriously. And, you know, they've spent £120-odd million pounds this summer, um, and albeit on not star names, but they're at a stage of their progression coming up from the Championship where they can't really get star names. Um I think they're serious. I think they want to, they want to do what Wolves want to do. They want to get into back into Europe. They want to make an impact. They don't just want to bounce around up and down from the Championship. They don't just want to bounce around from the bottom of the Premier League. But what they've got to do is they've got to stay in the Premier League for a couple of years. I was going to say, presumably, you take seventeen. Oh God, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I'd take it, snap your hand off. And also, they've got to be sensible. If um, things don't go well for the first three or four months. Don't go start sacking Dean Smith, who's done a really good job. Just hold your nerve and be sensible. And as long as they don't get caught up in the craziness of it, with their wealth and good management, which you know they've 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 done so far, they can uh, they can make an impact eventually. There is a model club for Aston Villa to imitate, and that club is, of course, Bournemouth, possibly the most stable team in the Premier League. Also, well coached, not a team prone to panicking. Um, but how can they kick on, Ali, at this point? Um, what should their aim be? Because it can't be motivating for their players to just stay in the Premier League. And actually, they seem to be regressing slightly. They, they were ninth in their first season, um, 12th and then 14th last year. Is that going to continue? And what can they do to change that? It's so tough for a team like Bournemouth. They're <clears throat> clearly not one of the biggest clubs in England. It's their first time in the top top flights, tiny ground. Um, so it's really hard to know how should the fans just continue being grateful to be to be in the Premier League and be happy with maybe beating a Tottenham or or Arsenal and that's about it and then ending up 16th again. Um, it's really hard to know, um, but if they've uh, they do have at least a manager who plays good attractive football and they'll be entertained even if it if it's losing five three to Palace in the final day of last season. It's still entertaining. Um, so, yeah, I don't see them doing any better, really, than they have uh, in recent years. Mid-table's really got to be the aim again. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what, what fans should want there, what, what more fans should want. 
they started brilliantly last season. They were six in October, and they had, they had a record points total for the team six at that point in the season. Do we expect that again from Bournemouth, Mina? And can you shed any light on what it is that makes a team start well? Is it something they've changed over the season, over the summer, that the rest of the leagues failed to catch up on, or are they starting kind of more fit? or with uh, with a better plan than some other teams? Yeah, it's interesting because it always depends whether or not they've changed the fitness routine or whether people are really excited to play good football and just get back into it. And I, I do get the sense with Bournemouth, they always want to start well. They always have all these ideas they want to test out. And then something happens where they just think, oh, we can't compete with everyone here. So do you think it's a mental thing with them? I, I do think so. And then concentration starts to go and they start to sort of lose the will to fight in certain matches. I thought it was interesting, actually, in their loss against Manchester City at the time, they showed a lot of verve, a lot of intensity, a lot of desire to just work really hard, even if it meant not playing the kind of expansive football that they're they're known for. And I think they need to incorporate more of that, knowing sometimes that you have to just absorb the pressure, fight through it, and then find a way of doing something very, you know, exciting or going for it. But they can't always be pretty. They have to stay focused. And I think that's going to be aimed for them. But it's difficult because we're talking about so many teams now, whether it be Leicester or Everton. I mean, the chasing pack alone is, is huge, not to mention the fact that no one can reach the top two. So I don't really know realistically without massive investment how much a team can really improve. But it's it's exactly like Ali just said, you know, at least they have attractive football to watch. One thing that's gone a bit quiet with Bournemouth is talk of a new stadium. They seem to be heading down that path and then said, I think it was last October, that they perhaps have been a bit optimistic with that. Jeremy Wilson spoke to Eddie Howe over the summer who said basically the club needs to move uh, during this time time in the Premier League to have any real benefit, any long-lasting uh, impact for their spell in the top flight. Do you agree with that, Matt? How important is yeah. it for them to get into a bigger crowd? The minute last point? season that I read that the new stadium had kind of been put onto hold, I worried for them um, because they can't go anywhere without that new stadium. They can't really do anything. That, that club's hit a glass ceiling without a new stadium. And... Eddie Howe at some stage will feel he's hit a glass ceiling without that new stadium. Um, if you're trying to convince Eddie Howe to stay, um, you know, whether it be this summer, next summer, and there's no new stadium coming, at some point he's going to turn around and think, there's nothing more I can do here. I worry a little bit for Bournemouth, not because I think they're going to go down. I don't think they're going to go down, and I don't, I don't think they're going to be in a relegation scrap. But I do worry that the ambition has gone slightly. Um, a couple of years ago or a year or so ago, even though they've been punching above their weight in the Premier League, uh, it just felt they were very ambitious. They wanted the new stadium. They wanted to keep kicking on and kicking on. And now I'm not so sure. Now it's starting to feel like they're just happy to be there. And that tends to catch up with you at some point. And were ready how to feel the same and at some point leave, then you'd really start to worry for them. I don't like their business this summer. Um, Philip Billing... He's okay. He was a good player in a bad side. Um, Lloyd Kelly, kind of second second choice under twenty one, uh, right back. A lot of that seems a lot of money for him. They're another club, why aren't they signing some central defenders? They always get done at the back. I, they could yet still lose Nathan Ake before the transfer deadline as well, which would be huge That'd for be them. Huge, yeah. I, I just don't quite know where they're going now, and I'm starting to fear for them. And if the, the stadium doesn't come back on the agenda, I think long term that'll be a real worry, and I think that will then feed into Eddie Howe's future. 
in goal feels like a worry for me. They've got Boric and Begovic, yeah, that's a very who, who good point. Brilliant, but they had that Mark Travers came come through uh, towards the end. Of the He's last only season. twenty. And he was good he, against Spurs, wasn't he? He was very good against Spurs. Yeah, and uh, I started to think that he was going to be something special, but yeah, then he's played one more game and conceded five. So <laughs> I basically have He's 20 years old. They've been linked no a lot idea. with Yeah, but they believe in him. The they've, they've committed him to a long-term contract. I, I feel like, you know, in pre-season, it's between him and Begovic, you know, like 45 minutes each to see that. I do think that they think that this is a kid who has a, a, a long-term future with the club, you know, gotten him on to sign a long-term contract. I do... I do feel they've at least introduced a little bit of height into their team with Billing and 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 Kelly. Um, they've got a huge team, don't they? They've got loads of massive people I, I, and I, very small people like Ryan Fraser. Yeah, but, um, that, that's more what I think of when I think right. of them. I think of like you know shorter players or really sometimes not Steve Cook and Simon yeah, Francis and Ake I tell you what, David Brooks is a problem for them. Yeah, he starts the season injured, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, and and he's a, he's a big player for them and. Just when you said to Mina about you know starting a season well, that that tends to be a lot to do with momentum from the previous season, momentum from pre-season, not having injuries. They didn't finish the season well. They've got a very key injury. I don't think they've had a wonderful summer in the transfer market. I actually think they could start really badly this summer because I, I don't feel, and I'm not in that club. I'm, I'm I don't report every week on that club, so I might be reading this wrong, but. I don't feel there's a momentum there going into this season. I'm going to disagree with you on Philip Billing. Um, I think there's something to be said for signing a player that has stood out in a particularly bad team. Mm. Um, and uh, there, are, there have been quite a few success stories of buying a player uh, in uh, the current market for uh, relatively cheap who's, who's done well in the Premier League, can obviously play in the Premier League, but has has got relegated. Um, Jordan Shakiri and Arnautovic stand out. Um, obviously, very different players to Philip Billing, but um, he's they were they were too good to play in the Championship, and I think Billing might be might be the same. He has an ego on him, which I quite like. Um, I, I feel like as well, Mina, so yeah. obviously, <laughs> I'm obviously all into that. He is he's very technical. He is very technical, so I think that he's the perfect Eddie Howe player. Uh, I think that he just reinforces that midfield, I, and uh, you know, I, I do, I do agree that I think that he could at least do something. I'm not entirely sure whether he can obviously help that midfield, but if they're not going to start well, if you don't believe they're going to start well, and I don't believe they're going to end well, so they better, have, <laughs> they better have a great middle. <laughs> Right, well, let's stay pessimistic and on the South Coast because next up it's Brighton and Hove Albion. Graham Potter is the new man in charge. He impressed Swansea, but it seems to me that the thing that impressed people was more his style than the actual results. They only finished 10th in the Championship last season. Is it a concerning appointment for you, Ali? It feels to me as if they brought him in to, to sort the style of football out, uh, which was not great for a lot of last season under Chris Hewton. But actually, the problem with Brighton was they nearly got relegated. Yeah, absolutely. And... They're in that uh, funny zone of uh, balancing whether they need to want to play more attractive football and uh, lose out on their kind of like solidity that kept them up. Um, And that is exactly what they're doing with Graham Potter. Apparently, um, the way he convinced their record sign, uh, the the expensive signing of this summer, Trossard, uh, to come was by promising that they'll play more attractive football than they did last season. And yeah, the fans might love that, but uh, I I don't really see how... Uh, he can come in, uh, see that squad, 
not buy a striker and get them uh, I think they are going to buy a striker. Oh, okay. Well, good. They're going to buy Neil Morpé from Brentford, who I actually think will be a good sign-in. Right. Um, He's scored 20-odd goals in the Championship. And he he looks like a striker who's capable of stepping up. Um, And he's very different to what they've got. He's he's faster, he's more direct, he's powerful. Um, I think he'll actually be a really good sign. They do need him. You're dead right. If they weren't to get him, they've got problems up front. Just just to go back on on Potter and what what he did at Swansea, just because of Villa, I watched an awful lot of the championship last season. I kind of followed it closer than maybe I normally would. Um, Tenth was actually a really good achievement. They, last summer, sold their best players, gave him no money to invest. Um, They broke promises to him. They could have been a club that slipped through again, which has has happened to other clubs. And I, I, I get that Tenth, for a club that's come down, doesn't look great. But in the circumstances of what was going on behind the scenes at Swansea, with the ownership, with their lack of action in the market and selling people who he didn't want to sell and not replacing them, he actually did really, really well. Um, And did it playing good football as well, without having to just scrap, scrap, scrap to get that tenth. So I I get why people think um, that he's got an opportunity that maybe not that he doesn't deserve, but got the opportunity early with a Premier League club. Um, but I actually think when you scratch beneath it, and if you were really watching what he was doing at that club, he did an incredibly good job. And Dan Ashworth knows him very well and probably has kept a very close eye on exactly what was going on at Swansea. Um, it's going to be a tough season for them, for sure. You look like you want to jump in. No, it's just that I, 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 do, I agree with you exactly. I think the circumstances were pretty harsh. I think that he's done really well in the sense of he's not just somebody who plays pretty football, but if you're moving on from a pragmatist and you want to start investing in a, in, in a coach and in an idea of football, then I think he's a good place to start for a club like Brighton. Um, I think that in terms of, you know, yes, I know that they have a, an aging forward line, uh, sorry, a, a forward and... But then there's Aaron Connolly, who's 19 years old. And the whole point of bringing in somebody like Graham Potter is that he works so well with the youth. And we know that because we can see Daniel James and how much he's improved somebody like that. Um, And they have, what, 50 million worth of of signings or probably more than that of failed signings. You know, two wingers that he can try to to mold into being more of an attacking force. And that's where their problems are, because we know when when crunch time hits, they, they can just line up and play very defensive football. But I think the whole point is that they need to score more goals. And if he can try to get something out of Izquierdo, um, uh, and obviously their Iranian signing, Ali Reza Yahanbaksh, if he can get that working. And I think that he is, the whole point is, we've invested before, it hasn't worked out for us, they're failed signings, we know that you're really good with youth, we know that you can revive certain players, so perhaps let's not invest in the squad and just believe in you and try to make this easy for you and hope that you can take our team forward. Adam Webster, the, the centre-half they've got from Bristol City as well, I mean, look, I know it's always hard to know our players will step up, but he was really, really good in the championship last season. Is the thinking he might be in to replace Dunk, though? Uh, he's a very different player. He carries the ball out from the back. I mean, it, it looks more like this is this is the guy who's going to implement the style change um, because he, he was the best defender for carrying the ball out from the back in the championship I last season. As, as step-ups go, going from uh, a really performing well as a centre-back in the Championship to a defensive Premier League team probably goes, as step-ups go, it's probably one of the easier ones to do. So uh, if he was that good, then... He he looks a good signing to me. Quite a gentle start for Brighton as well. Watford away, then West Ham and Southampton at home. So 
not necessarily uh, too daunting for Graham Potter. I'm feeling more optimistic about Brighton than when we started. Let's finish <laughs> this first section of the Premier League with Burnley Football Club, who were surprisingly leaky in defence last mm. season. What do they have to do to tighten up at the back, Mina? I think for them that the, the start of the season obviously had a lot to do with exhaustion because of the fact that they started earlier and, and, and all their European sort of hopes were lying on that. I, I think that it was just six more games than everything else. So I'm not sure how much of an excuse that offers them, but they started off really badly um, when it comes to, we know that there's a great partnership in defense with Ben Mee and Tarkovsky. I, I don't know whether, do you think Tarkovsky will stay? It's a big four days for that. I mean, yes. we're, we're, we're talking on Monday with the transfer window Thursday. And look, Tarkovsky definitely wants to go. And whether Leicester will come in and, and spend the sort of 40 to 50 million it would take to sign him. He's got a 50 million release clause for top six clubs. So whether again a top six club suddenly panics and, and puts some money down for him. Yeah, it's not going to be that surprising. And that could be huge whether Tarkovsky stays or goes. And that will tell you exactly whether or not that we can expect them to start shipping more goals or whether or not they'll tighten up. But you see, you feel like they need a little bit of leadership at the back and you need the whole team to pull together on this on this occasion. There isn't a player that I can say that they've signed or that they've started to do something in which I feel that it's going to save them. It's just a lot of, let's just see what Sean Dyche can do. And they've also lost Tom Heaton, who we mentioned yeah, earlier. Yeah, he's huge. They've got a lot of goalkeepers, though. Yeah, still. Like Joe Hart, Joe still, Hart he was so captain. still got Pope. He was captain as well. He's Pope been really... Back. Complimentary of Joe Hart, and he thinks who that, has uh, the coach. That the results have been a disaster with Hart. No, but, him, <laughs> but maybe this preseason he's seen something yeah, in bit. Well, Nick Pope was good, but then he fell off the face of the earth, and I don't know where he is. Mm. is Bailey he's... Peacock Farrell coming in from Leeds as well, potentially. Although mm. not not entirely certain he's going to be a Premier League goalkeeper. Jay Rodriguez back is an interesting one, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it made much difference? He did well at West Brom. I, I fear he's a bit slow. Um, for a return to the Premier League. I mean, 10 million in, in this market, 10 million is probably worth a gamble. He knows the club very well. He's obviously comfortable there. The fans like him. Um, he could be a good signing. Mm. He could be a good signing. But <laughs> they're a funny one, Bernie, because every time, every, if you ask me every single window, I'd tell you that I really don't like Bernie's business at all. And yet he gets, Sean Dyche's thing is that he gets way more out of players um, than you expect him to get out of them. And he he brings. He makes, you know, the sum is greater than the parts at Burnley. And, and that's what he's brilliant at. Yeah, so true. it's very difficult to judge them on who they sign and who they let go. Because if you were to do that every single window, you would write them off, I think. Um, Dyche is just such a huge part of what they are. Do you think he's ready for a move elsewhere now? I don't know, Wade. I, I, you know, I hope I'm not betraying secrets, but you do send us this email with some thoughts on the night before and... I was thinking about this last night because I did actually bother reading your email, oh, Mina. Mina. Um, <laughs> and I, I don't know where he'd go now. Like, I was trying to, I, I even like, it, uh, I literally brought I, up the Premier League table to can, look at a club where he would go. And I couldn't think, not he because he shouldn't, anyway. he should get a club, but because of his image and yeah, perception and everything. If, if Arsenal appointed him, no like, chance. the fans would go absolutely spare. Yeah. Oh, so it's not Bournemouth either if Eddie Howe leaves them. No home. chance. Absolutely. Do you no think they chance. can keep Dwight McNeil? Because I really would like him at UV. He's a really He's good. Great. This is a really interesting season for him because mm. he had his breakout season last season. And this is the one that can consolidate him. Is and it? defenders know him now. Managers know him. He's going to get targeted this season where Absolutely. he wasn't. He won't have the space that season. he's been offered last season. No. Um, 
but it's not to say he can't do it again. And if he does do it again, then you know he's a really top player. Yeah, but if they lose him and they lose Tarkovsky, then it's starting to look a little bit bleak. You're listening to the Telegraph Audio Football Club, part of the Telegraph Podcasting Network. To find more of our podcasts, just go to telegraph.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Thanks very much, Pedro. That's some lovely laid-back Spanish guitar to introduce a song for Europe, which is today all about Spain, Mina. And I love that there's a guitar there, but yep. <laughs> yep, yep, he's done extremely well. One big story coming out of Spain this summer, as far as we're concerned in this country, and it's Gareth Bale at Real Madrid. Is it looking most likely, Mina, now that he will stay there? Much to Senator um, Zidane's dismay, it does look like he's probably going to end up there. Obviously, we know the Chinese market's closed. We know the English one's set to close soon. And uh, there wasn't really a solution for Gareth Bale in which everyone was happy. We know that he wants to go somewhere where he's going to get paid. Um, and Perez stopped him from going to China because he wanted a transfer that was more than 20 million, which they weren't really offering more than that. And he was also worried that because it's Suning and they also own Inter, whether or not he would be transferred to that club. And uh, they don't really like Inter for what they tried to do with the Luka Modric last season. So it, there hasn't really been a solution that can satisfy everyone. But we're talking about what he, he's set to earn until 2022 50 million net, which is about 100 million gross that the pay will have to that the club will have to pay. So, and I don't think Zidane is even looking at him when it comes to to, to even starting a match or coming on. And I, I'll be honest, I know that he's come under a lot of pressure. Zidane has been criticised for the way that he's handled this, but I don't blame him. I, I feel like there's been a lot of bias. Everyone's like, oh, well, good on Gareth Bale for standing up for himself. But I don't think so. You came out of the ch- after the Champions League final two seasons ago and said you weren't getting enough playing time. Ronaldo left. You were asked to step up and be a leader and you didn't do anything and instead worked on your golf. Never attended anything to <laughs> never attended anything with your teammates or looked like you made a genuine effort to try to integrate yourself at least within the family. Still don't speak the language. So I can understand that there's some a little bit of anger coming from Zinedine Zidane who always regularly said as a player I wasn't the best but I worked the hardest and now he's faced with a player who he thinks is the best but doesn't work hard. Never has a man been so criticised for liking golf on an early night. (laughs) (laughs) No, Tony Cruz likes an early night. Tony Cruz sleeps at 10 a.m. But he doesn't like golf. Does he like golf? I don't think he likes golf. The combination of the two seems like the most offensive thing you can do in Spain (laughs) ever. You've got got an image problem on your hands as a footballer if you give the impression that that football isn't your favourite thing. I'm not saying it has to be. But you've got to be smarter about how you present yourself, haven't you? Well, Federer wanted to be a football player and so did Nadal. You don't see them going practising that rather than, you know, their, their back their back heel. What, what do you call it? I'm so bad at tennis. Backhand. <laughs> backhand, backhand that's the one. Back heel. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I disagree with Mina. I think... I don't, dis- I don't. I don't... If this was Alexis Sanchez, no one would be saying that. I don't I have a problem with Zidane... Wanting to get rid of Gareth Bale, I mean that's completely his his thing. The way he's done it is is bizarre though. He's he's left he's left Real Madrid with nowhere to negotiate by coming out publicly and making it so so obvious. Who's going to offer Real Madrid a fee when they know that Zidane's got this opinion of Bale? He's left Bale nowhere to go. The club nowhere to go with it. It just seems like the worst management ever. But weren't you the guy who thought that Antonio Conte did, like, you, you sort of defended him when it came no, to Diego I, Costa? Right? I didn't defend him. I love Conte and I love how mad he is and I love the way he did it just from a pure journalistic point of view. 
But it was a suicidal way to do it in terms of working for Chelsea. And it is very similar to that. It's a good analogy. It's this kind of washing your hands of a player, but the club now have to sort of deal with the mess. And here's a question. Who will last longer at Real Madrid, Bale or Zidane? I'm going Bale. This is indeed a question because the whole point is when Zidane accepted this role was that he was going to have full power at the club. He's and he such a rubbish manager. That. What? <laughs> he's a appalling manager. He's an Champions League winner. He is an appalling manager. Yeah, exactly. Tell me, he's won more Champions League than who? Like, he's amazing. Alex Ferguson. It was just a case of get a load of star players together. What he did well was bring no. it Star players. So what, what happened this to PSG so then? Explain to me. What about Manchester City who no, can't do anything for the last six? He's a manager. Oh my God, that is Where unbelievable. Based on what? Based on, well, this Gareth Bale... La Liga titles. Completely. I, I can't out him. I speak to a Real Madrid player who is astonished at how bad Zinedine Zidane is. He's tactically, meh, not great. Did you watch Man their run-up? appalling. You can't be a terrible manager and He was do one of the few. Roberto Di Matteo won the Champions League. No, yeah, no not that's not the same. Times, he didn't do it three. Come on. And not only it. that, yeah. Look at what he did with Lucas Vasquez and, and Marco Asensio. When he left, themselves. the kids weren't being given a chance. Like, as in he was the one who integrated that team so well. He's the one who brought in Casemiro that shielded the defense. He made them the pineapple, as everyone referred to them, in the dressing room harmony. He got everyone working together. No, I disagree with you. I think he's a great manager. What was the pineapple before we leave this fiery debate behind? <laughs> the pineapple is basically that they were all, it's more like a Spanish term, but they were all like come together to form a pineapple oh, because you could pick out them in the pineapple, you can pick out the little, I don't know what you call them in English. Spindles? Yeah. Sure. Segments. And if they all come together, and that was a thing that they used to kind of talk Juventus with when we were both playing for the Champions League finals, that we're a pineapple in the dressing room, what are you? Yeah. you know? And instead, you just found Bonucci trying to beat up Dybala, and we we're like, oh, come on, maybe, mm. maybe we're not as united as we thought, you know? Marvellous. What about Griezmann, Mina? He seemed to be off to Barcelona, <laughs> then it all got blocked. What's going on there? Well, yeah, it did get blocked, because and you totally understand this as well, in the sense that um, basically... The, the release clause on the contract is 200 million, which went down to 120 million at the beginning of July. And that's when Barcelona activated it to take their man. And Atletico were arguing that, I'm sorry, but you approached this player well before that clause, like well before July. So we are demanding the 200 million. And they posted a complaint and it was being looked at, but apparently they've now settled it out of court. At least that's what, according to Ondacero. So we'll see... I mean, there's he's staying with Barcelona. There's nothing to worry about, basically. Without, without knowing anything real about this, um, so probably not the person to say this, surely Barcelona are just going to get their way because that's how Barcelona act, how they, how they uh, function. They just... La Liga won't stand in the way of them getting their, their biggest signing. There's a few whispers here. Said something similar to that, but I won't go into it. <laughs> Very coy. Finally, Mina, Kieran Trippier at Atletico Madrid. A lot mm. of interest in him in the UK. Um, is he going to be part of a title-challenging team this season? This is the exciting thing about this because Atletico have really like gone through a massive rejuvenation. You can, they've done a villa. Um, massive just, rebuild, haven't they? It's Sales a massive rebuild, and they've gotten rid of like I mean, not gotten rid of, but I mean, we're talking about big players have left. Obviously, from Griezmann to Godin, their captain um, to Juan Fran, and so it's it's going to be interesting about what's going to happen now. Um, Rodri is another one. Um, 
They've brought in a lot of good players. I think Alvaro Morata is doing splendidly for them. They've got Diego Costa still in the front line and they've they've invested a lot of money in Jao Felix, who is supposed to be the talent to watch from Portugal. So I'm interested to see that. Uh, you've still got uh, Steph, um, Savage and Jimenez at the back line. So I think that could be interesting as well. With Trippier, they wanted somebody who could bumble forward and, and, and have a strong delivery on an attacking sense because they've got defensive options if it's not him. So they wanted to have an alternative to that. And I think that it's going to be so exciting to watch him. And as for Rodri, they've replaced him with Marcos Llorente, who is highly billed to do something exciting. He did very well for Real Madrid, despite them having a bad season and despite him not necessarily getting all the minutes that he wants to. Um, but as, as a defensive midfielder, he, he really did shine under Solari. So that'll be interesting to see. So the fact that you've got Cholo Simeone, you always feel like there's a, a level of being, you know, you trust this man. He understands this team. He understands how to connect with the players. He wants to play a little bit more expansive than they have done recently. Whether or not he can manage that would be interesting to see. But they've got a lot of talent and they've replaced the ones that have departed very well. Trippier Trippier is really interesting sign for them because... His delivery is his thing. His, I mean, his delivery, his crossing is excellent. Um, and with Morata, Morata thrives off mm. balls into the box and that delivery, particularly from the right side. Having watched him at Chelsea a little bit, and yeah, the, the times he did do well at Chelsea was when Aspilicueta was getting that ball in, in from the right, and it, it feels like Trippier's almost been signed for Morata because it looks like a really good partnership. It's strange to say a right. A, a right back and a striker who can end up in a partnership, but it, it feels like that is something they're working towards. There, um, I always it's kind I, of like that. With Mina Albert. always felt like sorry for Morata at Chelsea, mm. and I, I get what she was saying with with the service because they didn't cross the ball enough for him, and when they did, it, it worked. And so there's definitely a, a good theory there. I mean, people are, la- are laughing a little bit at Kieran Trippier turning up at, at Atletico Madrid. Great move for him. Well, yeah. Not a great season. I, I this think incredible move for him. Mm. And also, I think he's the first Englishman to play there in like 92 years or something like that. A in- fantastic move for him. I really hope it works out for him because he's a grafter. And I, he's a I good think there's, a, there's a, a good chance it could work out. Um, just being in a team that is built to protect the defence, uh, you've got players that will fill in for him and mm. that's what he needs um, because he's he's not the greatest defender he's a converted winger um, so he will get forward but um, maybe he will be better protected than he was at Spurs um, l- like he was when he played for England at the World Cup and did so well and as you said a team that uh, focuses on set pieces he could he could really really it'd be great if it worked out for him but I'd, I'd, I'm slightly worried that boy from Berry gets homesick in six months time might be the be what we see. Well, do, do you think that he'll go to all the barbecues? Like, <laughs> you better not like golf. like golf. No, golf allows he golf, he's in trouble. Not even mini golf. At least he's playing for good managers. That's all for today. We will be back with you tomorrow. That's Tuesday with the second part of our bumper season preview slew of podcasts. We'll be covering Chelsea through to Liverpool via the Bundesliga. Please join us then. You can, of course, contact me on Twitter. It's at Tom with an H. Gibbs and the podcast as well. We have an email address. Why not get in contact with us? We'll answer your questions if they're good. AFCpodcast.telegraph.co.uk is the address. We will, of course, read out the best of what you send us. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Look for Telegraph Audio Football Club wherever you get your podcasts. What a great habit to get into for the new season resolution. Thanks to Joel Grove on the buttons. Thanks to you for your company. I'll talk to you again soon.